Welcome to Bedtime Stories. My name's Manuela Darling. I'll be reading from Walt Disney's Stories from Other Lands. To start off tonight's story, we'll be going to the story of Mary Poppins. An east wind was blowing over Cherry Tree Lane, where Jane and Michael Banks lived with their parents. Mr. and Mrs. Banks, besides there was Katie Nana, the nursemaid, who doesn't really count because at the time the east wind blew, she was leaving number 17. The wind was whipping gustily through the leaves as Katie Nana came stamping down the stairs with her bags, hopped into the waiting handsome cab and rode away, leaving Jane and Michael Banks without a nanny. Mr. Banks was a very busy man. He never had time for any fun, but he did know his duty to his wife and family. He wrote an advertisement to the Times, and the next morning a line of applicants stretched down the bank's front walk all the way to the lane. Jane and Michael looked down at the nursery window. They're horrible, said Michael with a shudder. But as the children watched, the east wind started up again, blowing through the branches of the cherry tree lane, and it tweaked at their hats and snatched at their umbrellas and blew all those would-be nannies away. Yes, over the fence pots, over the treetops, quite out of sight they flew. Then down over the park, swinging gently back and forth, as she held to the handle of her umbrella, a marvellous person came floating on the wind. It's she, grasped Jane at the nursery window. She's just the one we want. And as they watched that person float down to the front porch, put down her carpet bag, closed her umbrella and rang the front doorbell. That is how Mary Poppins came to Jane and Michael Banks on the east wind. While Jane and Michael watched their astonishment from the nursery landing, Mary Poppins slid gracefully up the banister and set down her carpet bag. The children could see that it was empty, but from the empty carpet bag she took one hat rack, one large glilted wind mirror, a rubber plant and a lighted floor plant. There, she said, looking around. That's just a bit more comfortable, I would say. Now, said Mary Poppins, with a look around the nursery, it's time for a game called Tidy Up the Nursery. I don't like the sound of that, said Michael, but Mary Poppins only smiled. In every job that must be done, she said, we find an element of fun. We find the fun and snap, the job's a game. In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap, the job's a game. And every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake. A laugh, a spree, it's very clear to see that a Spoonful of sugar helps medicine go down, the medicine go down. 
the medicine go down Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down In the most delightful way And when Mary Poppins snapped her fingers, all Jane's dolls settled Neatly on the nursery shelves Michael's soldiers made a lead Marched to tents beneath the bed Toys and clowns and wood blocks Flew into their magic box Shirts and skirts and waistcoats too Soared to the closet out of view In no time at all the nursery was tidy That's better, said Mary Poppins Now it looks less like a bear pit Let's do it again, said Michael Nonsense, said Mary Poppins It is time for an outing to the park Come along, she said Spit spot In the park they met Bert The jack of all trades He was down on his knees drawing pictures In the coloured chalk on the sidewalk Jane and Michael stopped down to look at each picture Oh, they're lovely ones, sighed Jane Oh, I wish I could go there. A typical English countryside, said Bert, pointed out to the pardonable pride. Quite a suitable spot to travel and high adventure. Why not? And down the road there's a country fair. Come along. And taking each char by a hand, he winked at them. A bit of magic, he explained. It's easy. You wink. You think. And you do a double blink. You close your eyes and jump. With a sniff, Mary Poppins put on her umbrella and away they all floated straight into the drawing of the English countryside. It was a beautiful spot, green and quiet and sparkling with sun. Mary Poppins, said Bert, you look Beautiful, and so she did, for suddenly she was dressed in the height of fashion, from the wide curly brim of her hat to the diamond buttons on her shoes. Why, you look fine too, Bert, said Mary Poppins, and so he did in a new suit of clothes and a new straw hat. I thought you said it was a fair, said Michael, who was not impressed by the clothes, though he did look very fine himself. So I did, said Bert, just down the road and over the hill. Bert gave Mary Poppins his arm, and off they all strolled through the countryside. All the birds and animals came out to great, Mary and lambs and the cows and the old grey horse and the geese and the turtles in the pond. The whole world seemed to dance for joy, and along with Bert the animals sang, And it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Ain't it a glorious day, bright as a morning in May? I feel like I could fly. Oh, now, Bert, none of you're knocking about. Have you ever seen the grass so green or a bluer sky? Oh, it's a jolly holiday with Mary, 
Merely makes your art so lie When the day is grey and ordinary Merely makes the sun shine bright Oh, honestly, happiness is blooming all around her The daffodils are smiling at the dark When Mary holds your hand, you feel so great Your heart starts beating like a big brass bed Oh, you are light-headed It's a jolly holiday with Mary No wonder that it's Mary that we love Oh, it's a jolly holiday with you, Bert Gentlemen like you are few Though you're just a diamond in the rough bird Underneath your blood is blue You never think of pressing your advantage Forbearance is the hallmark of your creed A lady need not fear when you are near your sweet gentility is crystal clear. Oh, it's a jolly holiday with you, Bert. A jolly holiday with you. In a sunny spot along the trees, they found a tea pavilion where they stopped for a lovely afternoon tea. The waiters looked exactly like penguins. When their tea was finished, they waltzed away down the road and over the hills to the merry-go-round. It slowed down just as each approached it and they leaped aboard. Each one landed gracefully in the saddle of a wooden horse. Imagine, said Jane, our own private merry-go-round. It's very nice, said Bert, putting on airs. Very nice indeed if you don't want to go anywhere. Who says we're not going anywhere, said Mary Poppins with a toss of her head. And she was quite right. She had a quiet word with the guard. Right. Right, right, Mary Poppins smiled the guard and he left off his cap. Then he pulled the tallest lever on the merry-go-round and away the horses tumbled and teed and tummed across the countryside. From the distance came the sound of hunting horn. Follow me, said Mary Poppins over her shoulder, and away they rode to the sound of the horn passing the huntsman one and for all. They even started to pass the fox until Bert scooped him up and gave him a ride. Jane and Michael were riding so hard and fast that they didn't even notice that Mary Poppins had left their side. Then it's a race, cried Michael. And look, Bert! Mary Poppins is winning! So she is, said Bert. There came the leaders pounding down the track and Jane and Michael watched the riders pull aside, letting Mary Poppins ride between them straight to the finish line. Jane and Michael were sitting on the fence with Bert 
eating taffy apples when the first big round raindrops fell. They came in a flash of lightning and then the rain came pouring down. Jane, Michael, don't run about, stay close to me, called Mary Poppins, as they hurtled close underneath her umbrella. All the countryside around them seemed to melt away. They were back in the park. And on the pavements at the fair feet, Bert's drawings were melted into a bright puddle of rain. Spit spot, said Mary Poppins. Hurry along, children, or we'll be late for tea. Goodbye, Bert. And soon they were sung into a nursery with a fire glowing into the fireplace. On the heath stood Jane and Michael's shoes, drying out from the day in the rain. Beside them leaned Mary Poppins' umbrella. Tea was over and Mary Poppins was tucking Jane and Michael to bed. Mary Poppins, you won't ever leave us, will you? said Jane, and very sleepily. Well, we want you to stay, begged Michael. If you promise to be good... That's a pie crust promise, said Mary Poppins. Easily made, easily broken. I shall stay until the wind changes. And that was all she would say. The next thing Jane and Michael knew, Mary Poppins was opening the curtains. Up, up, she ordered. No dawdling. It's a glorious day. Super califragilistic. We're going for a walk. Spit spot. This way. Super colour fragilistic, said Jane and Michael as they danced along the walkway. They almost bumped into Mary Poppins when she stopped to speak to a little dog, and the children had never seen that dog before. But Mary Poppins seemed to know him very well. She called him Andrew. The little dog barked noisily at Mary Poppins. Again, said Mary Poppins. I'll go straight away. Taking Jane and Michael by their hand, Mary Poppins stared off the way to Andrew's house. In a no more than a moment or two, she was rapping at the door of a small, quaint house. It was Bert who opened the door. How is he? said Mary Poppins. Never seen him like this, said Bert soberly, and that's the truth. He pushed the door wide open. Jane and Michael peeked in. A large, cheerful room lay before them. In the centre stood a table laid for tea. Bless my soul, said a rich voice with chuckles. Is that Mary Poppins? I'm delighted to see you. The voice came from above. They looked up, and there in the air sat Mary Poppins, Uncle Albert, chuckling Mary Pop merrily. You have just got to stop laughing, Uncle Albert, said Mary Poppins sternly. Oh, I know, my dear, but I do enjoy it so, said Uncle Albert. There the chuckles bubbled up so that he bobbed against the ceiling. And the moment I started laughing, <laughs> it's all up with me. He looked so comic that Jane and Michael thought they were trying hard to be polite. Just couldn't help doing what they did. They began to tackle. By now, Bert was rolling about shaking with laughter. 
Soon he arose from the floor and was bobbing up beside Uncle Bert Albert. At the sight of him, Jane and Michael found themselves simply filled with laughter too. They grew lighter and lighter until their heads bumped the ceiling. Only Mary Poppins remained firmly on the ground. You're the silliest thing I've ever seen, said Mary Poppins severely from below. Or my name isn't Mary Poppins. Speaking of names, said Bert, I know a man with a wooden leg called Smith. Really? chuckled Uncle Albert. What's the name of his other leg? And they all roared with laughter, bouncing in the air. Now then, Jane, Michael, it's time for tea, said Mary Poppins. Won't you pour it out? Well, you pour it out, Mary Poppins, asked Uncle Albert. And that table tea came soaring through the air and Mary Poppins rose sedately to sit near the teapot. I'm having such a good time, my dears, said Uncle Albert as they laughed their way through the tea. I wish you could all stay up here with me always. We'll jolly have to, grinned Michael. There's no way to get down. Well, to be honest, said Uncle Albert, there is a way. Thinking of something sad and down you go. Time to go home, said Mary Poppins' voice sounded like a trumpet over the laughter of the room. And at that saddest thought of all, down they came with a bump. Back home, Jane and Michael tried to tell Mr. Banks about the wonderful tea party and the laughter and the man with the wooden name called Smith. But he didn't seem to understand. Poppins, he said severely, I'm disappointed with you. I'm disturbed to hear my children speak about popping in and out of chalk pavement drawings, fox hunts, racing tracks, tea parties, on high ceilings, questionable outings, words like supercalifragilistic makes me elidocious, said Mary Poppins. Of course, thank you, said Mr. Banks. Now, if they must go on outings, they should have a purpose. They must learn on things like banking. I understand, said Mary Poppins. Tomorrow, freshly pressed and neatly dressed, Jane and Michael will be at your side. At my side, cried Banks. Where are we going? To the bank, of course, Mr. Pop- Mary Poppins said, just as you proposed. Jane and Michael could scarcely believe their ears. An outing with our father? Yes, said Mary Poppins. And on the way to the bank, you'll see the old bird lady on the steps of St. Paul's, selling her bags of crumbs. Feed the birds, feed the birds, tuppence a bag, she cries. And all around the cathedral, the saints and apostles look down as they smile when someone shows he cares. With tuppence for a bag of crumbs. Early each day to the steps of St. Paul the little old bird woman come in her own
special way to the people she called. Come by my bed, full of crumbs. Come feed the little bird, show them you care, and you'll be glad if you do. Their young ones are hungry, their nests are so Just as Michael and Mary Poppins had promised, Jane and Michael did see the old bird lady on the cathedral steps. Feed the birds, tuppence a bag, she cried. Please, father, may we feed the birds? asked Jane. I've got tuppence from my money box, said Michael. 
is just as Mary Poppins said. I'm not interested in what Mary Poppins says, says Mr. Banks. Then we get to the bank. I shall show you what you may do with your tuppence. The bank was a great and awesome place. No one spoke above a whisper, so it seemed. So Michael and Jane were being presented to the senior Mr. Dawes. He was a very tall, very old gentleman with grey, wrinkled, pinched and musty hair. And he was the head of the bank. These are my children, Mr. Dawes, said Mr. Banks. They wish to open an account. Oh, capital, oh, capital, said Mr. Dawes. How much money have you, old man, young man? Tuppence, said Michaels. But I want to feed the birds. Fiddlesticks, said Mr. Dawns. Feed the birds? And what have you got? Fat birds. But you put your money in the bank, safe and sound, and you turn off the crank, your tuppence will be drawn interest on the compound. You'll have railways, you'll have ships, river dams and ocean ships. And he snatched Michael's tuppence from his hand. No, said Michael, I want to feed the birds. Give me back my tuppence. And he snatched his tuppence back and ran. Michael, Jane, shouted Mr. Banks angrily, but it was too late. The children had dashed out of the bank. Jane and Michael ran up the streets, down the alleys, through the strange and busy ways of London town. As the children rounded a corner, not knowing where they were going, a strange figure appeared before them, smugged with soot and bristle and brooms. It reached out with both arms to them. Let us go, cried Michael. Let my sister alone. Easy now. Your old Bert friend isn't going to harm you. And Bert it was, dressed as a chimney sweep. Now, he asked, who's after you? Father is, said Jane. He's furious. Now, now, said Bert, there must be some mistake. Your father is a fine gentleman who loves you. He's the only one you should feel sorry for. Working in the cold, heartless bank all day. Oh, Bert, said Jane, do you think father needs our help? I'll give him my tuppence, said Michael with a sug. It's to, it was late afternoon when Bert came home with Michael and Jane into a cherry tree lane. They had a fine frolic on the way home with a whole bunch of chimney sweets. Over the rooftops they began home, and over the sweeps dancing their way through. Mr. Banks came home. What's all this? cried Mr. Banks as he swept dancing past him. Oh, father, said Jane, I'm so glad you got home in time. Every one of those chimney sweeps took your head. You're going to be very lucky. Well, that might be, Mr. Banks said. I've explained to the man at the bank, you see, about Mary Poppins and the bird woman and Uncle Albert and the laughing and the man with the wooden name, wooden leg called Smith. And the whole um, super colour fragilistic thing. And they all laughed.
Even old Mr. Dawns laughed. It was the first time I've ever seen him do such a thing. Then a brisk wind whipped around the corner. In number 17, Cherry Tree Lane, Mary Poppins stood at the window and sniffed at the breeze. In the street below, she could see Mr. Banks, an arm around each child. I see the winds have changed, said Mary Poppins to herself. It's time to go. And as Mr. Banks and the children came up from the front steps, Mary Poppins, properly dressed in her hat and coat, carpet bag in hand, opened her umbrella. The wind slipped underneath it, and away she flew. Over the front gate, over the branches of the tree tree lane. She's going, said Michael tearfully. Don't cry, children, said Mr. Banks. She may be back. Let's give her a splendid send-off. Let's fly our kites. You'll fly our kites with us, said Michael. By all means, said Mr. Banks happily. With tuppence for paper and strings, you can have your own set of wings. With your feet on the ground, you're a bird in flight. With your fist holding tight, to the string of your kite Oh, let's go fly a kite Up to the highest height Let's go fly a kite And send it soaring Up through the atmosphere Up where the air is clear Oh, let's go and even Mrs. Banks had kites flying high in the windy sky to wave Mary Poppins on her way. Good night.